0: Bibles to John 13. John 13. The passage under consideration this afternoon will be 1 through 17. We're not going to be reading that, but if you'll keep your Bibles open to there, we're going to be moving around in that passage and we're going to be talking about the account of Jesus at the Passover Supper and the, uh, the fact that he had washed the uh, disciples' feet. John 13, 1 through 17 One of the greatest workers in the kingdom of Christ is a man about whom we know very little. His name is Epaphroditus and we read about him in Philippians chapter 2. Verses 25 through 30, and though we know very few details about his life, we do know that he was a great and a selfless worker for Christ. He was a servant of the great apostle Paul. He had endured a great sickness, and even though he was sick himself, he was still very concerned about the brethren in Philippi. Also, we know that the sickness from which he suffered was a result of the work of the church. Uh, Verse 30, Now, from where did Epaphroditus get his great desire to be such a worker for the Lord? Well, it's obvious. He got the great desire to be a great worker for the Lord from the greatest servant who ever walked the earth, the Lord himself. This afternoon, I want us to use the example of Jesus and talk about using our own towels. Within our passage, Jesus teaches a powerful lesson He teaches a lesson that has the ability to permanently change the lives of all who listen to his lesson. It had the ability to change the lives of the apostles, and it did. And it has the ability to change anyone's lives. As we learn about using our own towels by watching and listening to his lesson as he used his own towel, I want us to begin with noticing that he used his towel in love. He began with love, and notice His disposition. We're told by John that the Savior knew that His time in verse 1 had arrived, and that shortly He would be returning to the Father. Now it is very true that when Jesus came to earth, that He was God in the flesh while He lived upon the earth. We talked about this in our class uh, covering Hebrews the other night. He was 100% God, He was 100% man, And because he was 100% man, Brother Greg pointed this out, he knew exactly, being God, what was coming down the road. And Brother Greg pointed out the fact that because he knew exactly what was going to happen, that that showed his bravery and his courage even more. He knew exactly what was going to happen and he continued to face it. He didn't stop. Being in the form of man, being... In the likeness of man, enduring everything that we endure, he knew exactly what he was going to face. He knew what it was going to be, and he faced it head on. How many people, knowing exactly what was going to happen, being in his position, would have continued on down that road and faced exactly what he faced? There's not another person who ever lived in this life would have done what he did. Not one. So knowing, read read verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart this world, how was he going to depart this world? He wasn't just simply going to pass away in the night, he wasn't going to go in his sleep. He was going to be beaten to death. No, let me take that back. He wasn't going to be beaten to death. A normal person would have died during that beating. Who's going to die the most torturous death this world's ever seen? But he went on. He carried on because of love. And he used his towel while in this world to demonstrate that love. And we see it in his disposition. It's also true being 100% man that he dwelt among the disciples in human form. And he did not look forward to those events. John goes on to tell us why He did everything that He did in this world in the form of Jesus the man, why He came into the world, why He became a man, why He laid aside the riches of heaven, why He laid aside the glory of heaven to come to this pitiful world, why He died on the cross of Calvary, why He took upon Himself the role of a servant, because He loved His own which were in the world. He loved them unto the end. John 13, verse 1. Even though He had the dark shadow of the cross hanging over Him every step of the way, He still thought of those men and He thought enough of them and He had such a great love for them and He loved them as much in the end as He did from the beginning and nothing was going to stop that even the cross of Calvary. Now His impending suffering was not going to affect that and His disposition of love presented itself in the form of devotion. No one was ever as devoted as the Christ. No one knew the depths of love as much as Jesus did. No one. No one ever knew that. He was devoted to them in all ways. But listen, here's the thing. He was devoted to them spiritually. He wanted them to be spiritually what they needed to be. reminds me of John writing... 3 John to Gaius, he said, Gaius, I want you to prosper physically. There's nothing wrong with that as your soul prospers, right? I want you to have good things physically, but I want your spiritual welfare to be number one. Before he left them, though, Jesus taught them a much-needed lesson in humility. He showed them the extreme depths that his love would go so their soul's welfare would Would be in good shape. And he did that by assuming the place of a slave. And he washed their feet. Why did he serve them? Because he loved them. That's why he used his towel. He served them. And our love ought to be compelled by the Savior's love. And we ought to serve as well. To God's glory. Right? We serve because of God's glory. We don't serve for our own glory, we serve for God's glory. When we love as we ought to love, we'll, we'll place the needs of others before our own needs, right? The Apostle Paul said this, 1 Corinthians 10 beginning with verse 23. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. And that is the very thing Jesus demonstrated in this very passage. Was it necessary that He washed those men's feet? Well, no, it wasn't necessary. Could they have eaten a Passover feast without that? Sure they could have. Was it necessary they washed their hands? No, they didn't have to wash their hands. Had they eaten before without washing their hands? Didn't the Pharisees say something to them about that at one point? Well, well you, your men aren't washing their hands. Well, you know, is it nice to wash your hands before you eat? Sure it is. Can you, can you eat without washing your hands? I, I prefer not to, but you can, right? That's not the point. Jesus demonstrated that. Notice what Paul said Philippians 1.27. He admonished the flipping brethren. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. That you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. You see, the reader's focus goes from his love to his labor. We know that he loves him. How do we know? Well, let's notice his labor. The action was happening in the upper room. Now, if one were to walk into that upper room where Jesus and the disciples were preparing to eat that Passover feast, we're going to notice a few things. There are going to be certain certain items up there. Now, we're going to notice the tables. We're going to notice the couches on which they would recline to eat this. We're going to notice, aside from that, there's going to be a basin over by the the door. There's going to be a, a pitcher that has some water in it, right? Now, that, of course, is so people can wash their feet. The guests would come in. The host, maybe sometimes the host would wash the feet. You're going to have a servant or a slave. and But the person doing the washing of the feet is going to be someone of low stature. You're going to have a slave or a servant. Now, even the Gentile slaves couldn't be uh, commanded to wash the master's feet. That would be a Gentile slave, okay? That would be a Gentile slave. Now, on occasion... If you weren't a slave and you washed someone's feet, that meant that was an action of of endearment. Okay? That was an action of endearment. A child might wash a parent's feet. A wife or a husband might wash their spouse's feet. A dear friend might wash the the feet of a dear friend. Okay? That might be the case. Now, if you weren't a slave, you weren't a Gentile slave, uh, a host might wash your feet because they love you or something like that. But now, a Gentile slave. You could force them to do that, okay? So the, the washing of the feet was a courtesy. You come in, you've walked some distance, you showed up, you've been wearing sandals, that's a courtesy. right? You offer that to your guests. That makes you comfortable you come in someone's home, right? So you do that. You take your sandals off. And sometimes a host would do that. Sometimes a servant. But when it's done... You do it because you love someone. It's a great act of love if you're not the slave. But Jesus, what was Jesus? Obviously, He was a Jew, wasn't He? So if He does something like that, what what does that demonstrate? That demonstrates great love. That, That demonstrates a great act of endearment. Now, who else is in the room? We've got 12 other men in the room. We've got a big problem in the room is what we've got, don't we? We've got a big problem in the room, and you've got 12 other men... And they're not demonstrating anything. In fact, you know it was a great breach of hospitality to wash the feet of a guest. You're just simply being rude. Just simply being rude. But that, the bigger problem again was you had twelve servants sitting in the same room with the king of heaven and earth. And not one of them would submit, let alone, to wash the feet of the king of the world. They would not even consider washing each other's feet. Therefore they sat at the table, ready to partake of the supper, unwashed. The washing of the feet was always done as soon as one entered the house, took off his sandals. You know, this is in the Asian world. You don't walk into the house, and you don't walk into the house today with your shoes on. And you certainly don't walk in with dirty feet. Of course, that's not as big a problem today. People wear uh, closed-toed shoes. They've got socks on. But then it was a real problem, right? So you washed your feet as soon as you sat down. No one ever sat down at a meal with dirty feet. That was just simply not etiquette. So to teach a lesson, the Savior of the world, this very Son of God, stood up, rose from the table, laid aside his outer garment, girded himself with a towel. Now, if we're reading from the King James Version, and supper being ended, that's not a good translation. It's not a good translation. The correct translation, the American Standard Version does a better job saying enduring supper. I'm not sure what the New King James says. But the description of his rising indicates coming from a reclined position. That's how they ate. Coming from a reclined position... Not at all the depiction that Leonardo da Vinci tries to to indicate. Okay? And he began to serve those who did not deserve to be served. So he stood up. He took off his outer garment. He pulled up his robe. He bound it. He girded it up. And he took his towel And he began to wash the feet of those men. Now, the verb used in verse 5 indicates he began the task and he did not stop until every dirty foot was clean. And then he came to Peter. Peter didn't understand what was going on. I read this and I think that he must have been in shock. The Lord must have been washing some feet. He must have been taking them in order. He comes to Peter, and and Peter just couldn't understand it. The other apostles must have simply endured this in quiet embarrassment, but not Peter. He he responds. He says, Lord, does that wash my feet? Now the emphasis here is placed upon the word thou and, and then the my. As if Peter is saying, Lord, do you wash my feet? I can appreciate Peter. We can almost see Peter pulling his feet back. He can't believe what's happening. He couldn't stand the idea of the Christ washing his feet. It must have been almost absurd that this would happen. And then we see the answer. Now, the Lord gives a mild rebuke, doesn't He? I think Jesus understood the reaction of Peter because He understood Peter. But that didn't make it okay. It was still wrong. He needed to understand his feelings were based in ignorance, that later he would understand exactly what was going on and, and the purpose. He would grow to understand the nature of the kingdom, the character each faithful member would need to exhibit as the church grew, and Peter needed to understand he needed to be able to teach he needed to be able to be able to be led by the spirit he had to have the right mindset he would understand the desire to be great in the kingdom and worldly pride would give way to humility and contriteness of heart now first to truly understand this section of scripture, I think we need to back up and we need to understand what's been going on among these men luke twenty two twenty four tells us that they had been arguing amongst themselves. John's mother had gone to Jesus and, and she wanted her two sons to sit on the left hand and the right hand in the kingdom when it came. She didn't understand about the kingdom. None of these men did. They thought it was a physical kingdom. And she wanted her two sons to have priority in the physical kingdom and they were all jealous of one another. And so we get over to the Passover feast and do you think one of those men was going to stand up and wash the feet of any of those other men? No, it wasn't going to happen. They had almost, I don't think they had a hatred for each other, but I don't think they had a great love like they should have had. Matthew 20, 20 through 21 as well after having tried to explain to Peter and that later you're going to understand what this means, and you're going to come to a better understanding, Peter responded again. He said, You'll never wash my feet. Now what the Greek indicates here is that the reply was, You shall by no means wash my feet as long as the world stand. Now, Jesus Handled him a little softly the first time. He understood Peter in his reaction the first time, and but now we see an admonishment here. It's apparent that Peter had not yet learned his lesson, and so he needed to be handled a little differently. And so Jesus told him, If I don't wash, if I don't wash you, you'll have no part with me. I don't wash your feet. You can't be a part of what I've got going on. You can't be a part of the kingdom that I'm going to establish. And so his future depended upon the acceptance of that which was at that time beyond his understanding. And of course, like then, followers today of Jesus have to accept Jesus' commandments even when they do not understand why He chose those particular commandments. We see it all the time, don't we? I can't tell you the times that I've talked to people and they say, well, I don't understand why God chose this or chose that or or did this. Well, it really doesn't matter why God chose what He chose. All we have to do is understand what He says for us to do and what it does for us. We... We don't know the mind of God. We can't fully understand the mind of God. The plan of salvation is, is a prime example of that. I just can't tell you the times I've heard people say, I don't understand why we have to be baptized. Why did He choose that? I don't know why He chose it. Here's what I do know. He commanded us to be baptized for the remission of sin. Now why He chose water baptism, I couldn't tell you. He didn't tell us why he chose it. He just says he chose it. He tells us what he did, what it does for us, right? But beyond that, he didn't give us any other information. Je- Jesus said, I'm going to wash your feet. And if you can't submit to me and allow me to do this, you can't have part in my kingdom. And Peter had to understand that. Why did he choose this example of service to teach humility? I don't know. Peter understanding that if this is a requirement to be able to be a part of that, do you know what he said? Well, I want you to wash my hands and my head and, you know, I can appreciate their mindset, but it's unnecessary. And that's what he told him. He said, you're clean. You just have to wash the dirty parts, right? You just have to wash the dirty parts. Now, what that is similar to is someone obeys the gospel. And they sin in their lives. They come forward and they say, I want to repent. I want to confess my sin. And and someone says, Okay, we're going to pray for you. We appreciate your repentance and your confession. So we're going to pray for you as a child of God. And God will forgive you. Now, but I want to be baptized again. That's not necessary. That's not what God said you need to do. Yeah, but that's what I want to do. Well, that's not what God commands. We have to do what God commands, right? And so Peter was... Was uh, overstepping the bounds a little bit we only have to do what God commands us to do we can't add to what he wants us to do and so Jesus says you're clean we just have to wash the dirty parts so I'm going to wash your feet and Peter finally began to understand right so I want to notice the lesson we saw his love we see his labor now let's look at the lesson after putting on his garment and taking a seat, he asked them if they understood what he had done. Well, there was a little problem. They didn't understand. They didn't fully understand. He wasn't looking for an answer, though. He wanted them to focus on his actions. Focus on what he was doing. Look around. There's 12 of you men here I am the one doing this. Who should have been doing it? All twelve of you. All twelve of you. I think it is interesting. By teaching them to do the most menial tasks, He at the same time was emphasizing His sovereignty over them. He is the Master. His rightful position. And He gave them a pattern. He gave them a pattern by which they could gauge their actions and by which we can gauge our actions, right? John 13, 15. Paul also said, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Be ye followers of me, even as I am followers of Christ. Christ set the example. He set the pattern. If He would lower Himself to be the servant, who is anyone else to say they can't be one, right? Now, Some people take something like this and they they put it where it shouldn't be. Does this mean we need to be washing feet in the services? That misses the whole point of the lesson, doesn't it? It misses the whole point of the lesson. It wasn't the action itself, but the principle upon which the action was based. Is someone willing to submit to humility? If we're not using our towels, we're not following Christ. He then tells them, and I think this is the principle the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. The point is, they're not greater. They should not have been ashamed or too proud to wash one another's feet. They were too worried about who was going to be greater in the kingdom. They wanted to sit on the right hand or the left hand of the Lord. When the kingdom came, what they should have been worried about was serving the Master. Not too proud to be a servant instead of being served. They were worried about being served. I think that's the trademark of all Christians, isn't it? People are to know a Christian by the love that is shown to one another. John 2, 20-27. True love will manifest itself to those or through those who are using the towel. Jesus used his towel. Again, we go back. Should he have been washing feet? He's God. They should have been washing his feet. But he is a servant. He loved those men. He loved their souls enough to lower himself yet again Because he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And those men needed to understand that. You know, God saw that type of thing in the life of Epaphroditus. He's a great illustration of this. He ought to see it in the lives of all Christians. And when we look back over at Jesus, now let's look at his life for a moment. He's at the last Passover. He's sitting there. He knows He's about to be betrayed. Getting ready to eat this Passover. All twelve of the disciples are there. Jesus hasn't left yet. He hasn't given the sop to Him. But He's seeing these men. He knows what's going on in their hearts. And He's going to try to save them. Prepare them for what's coming. He knows the cross is right around the corner. Within 24 hours, it's happening. So He gets up. I don't know how he can even speak knowing what's happening. Girds himself and begins to wash their filthy, nasty feet. Which matches their attitude. And he does it anyway. And when he gets finished, he's going to be going out to Gethsemane. He's going to be praying to the Father, pleading with great tears to let this cut pass if there's any other way. But he knows because he's God. They're not. And he faces it anyway. He's going to be condemned, rejected, beaten, crucified, buried, and bear the sins of the world, And because of his love, his labor, and his lesson, he still washed their feet. If you need to answer the Lord's invitation this night, do that as we stand and as we sing.